Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. To the out. Parcel shipping costs continue to rise, and consumers are getting tired of packaging waste. What if you could solve both problems at the same time? I'm James Malley, CEO and co-founder at Packurate. Our packing intelligence platform helps you determine your ideal mix of box sizes and gives you complete control over how they're packed in real time. So you can minimize costs, delight your customers, and ship sustainably. Learn more at packurate.io. Fading in. I'm back. <laughs> Got the fade. On the show. Uh, after a few weeks uh, traveling the world, I figured I had to see it. And Thomas Wasson, I mean, Anthony Bale's ship on me. Uh, you know, he had to hold it down, though. So he had to bounce to Houston. Uh, I'm Zach Strickland, head of Freight Market Intelligence, and substituting for Anthony Smith this week, Thomas Watson. Thomas Watson. Watson. That's, that would have <laughs> been good. Uh, here to discuss that freight economy. But we also have a special guest today. Uh, James Malley, who you just saw, uh, he's going to come on and talk to us about sustainability and packaging here in just a minute. Uh, you know, sustainability is kind of a, like, I, I feel like during economic downturns, we have kind of this shift away from sustainability because everybody uses it as a term to be like, oh, I'm green. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean like environmental, like stuff, to, you know, in general, yeah. like sustainability is How's the longevity of your business model? <laughs> Are we sustainable? Yeah, yeah, it can it can change change topics, but one thing we always forget about in the supply chain is uh, it, it kind of gravitates towards that anyway. You want to yeah. be a little sustainable, leaner. I feel like instead of saying leaner, you can you can make it a, a win win, and then you yeah. don't get yelled at as much as a CEO. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but first off, let's before we get uh, bring James on here, uh, let's get into the marketing too. I hadn't done it in a few weeks. I need to get loose. I need to get warm. <laughs> get the rust off. Uh, let's shake the dust off if you want to count me in. All right, here we go. We're going to go in five, four, three, two. Let's do it. So the freight market itself, outbound tender volume index, demand continues to be strengthening throughout the month of September. The, you see that white line there is actually coming up really, really close, dangerously close to last year's uh, OTVI value, which was on the downturn, of course, as we came out of a robust freight market, arguably one that we may never see again in terms of overall demand. Uh, you know, my takeaway here is, are we in some sort of head fake <laughs> or are we actually seeing a sustainable return? And I, I think we're actually in a little bit of a head fake here in terms of overall demand. Long haul volumes really driving the majority of this growth. If we go to the next chart, uh, that's what I illustrate here is the LOTVI, uh, really the biggest figure, that white line there. Long haul volumes are growth. They're up year over year. 1% according to this uh, chart right here. Everything else relatively down. COTVI has taken a big upturn and that's the loads that are moving less than 100 miles. That's your city freight. Uh, also taking a big upturn, but really just 
kind of a late bloomer here in the overall sense that the market upturn has really come strongly from that long haul volume. That is the replenishment freight. That is the freight that absolutely uh, is coming from the West Coast or coming actually a little bit from the East Coast nowadays into these DCs that is actually getting ready for that retail uh, season peak. If we go to the next chart, we can see that the outbound tender rejection indexes for all three modes, uh, not really jumping up. Refrigerated is you know, having a moment here, renaissance, if you will. Uh, but that's largely due to the Northwestern uh, and some of that higher Midwestern uh, freight, refrigerated seasonal freight volumes really picking up there. Harvest seasons in play, of course, they're probably not going to last much longer. Considering the van rejection rate, still under 4%. Go to the last chart, NTIL, spot rates, they're not moving. Uh, they're, they're actually kind of diminishing right now. And that's excluding fuel definitely a lot to to soak in here holy yeah. cow we hit the bell i was before the bell good lord fix it in post folks fix it in post we messed up yeah so i mean the market itself it, i think there's there's mixed signals you know yeah. we've got this long haul freight demand that's really kind of out of season in august but now we're in season for that long haul replenishment volume getting ready for retail peak uh coming up which many people don't really expect to be very strong we're definitely in this weird uncharted waters because mm -hmm. if you're a demand planner what's the worst thing in the world mm -hmm. uncertainty and especially the past two years too much uncertainty so we're in this weird situation where moving forward even looking at spot rates looking at contracted rates we still can see that in the data yeah, I, it's it's a it's a weird world we're in. I think we're still dealing with a lot of that COVID fallout. Uh, as much as we don't want to say that word anymore, it is it is still a factor in this overall supply chain mess. So, uh, you know, without further ado, I want to kind of switch gears into uh, you know setting up our next guest here, uh, James Malley. Uh, no more fighting with spreadsheets. Pack Simulate harnesses the power of Packurate's patented cartonization algorithm so you can simulate millions of parcel shipments and identify your ideal carton mix. Learn more at Packurate.io. And, you know, I think his message today, we're going to talk about how sustainable packaging matters <laughs> and how yeah. it can actually facilitate your business. And so we're going into retail peak. Uh, so, James, uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, I kind of want to set the table a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about Packurate? You know, I, I did the the read there for your company, but tell us a little bit more about what you guys do. Sure. Um, so I imagine a large part of your audience would know the term cartonization. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a word in the dictionary, uh, despite my uh, pleas to Funk and Wagnalls and Webster's. Uh, but basically, it's uh, systems that are able to identify the best way of packing uh, SKUs into boxes for shipments, um, typically to consumers or store replenishment. Um, and so that's really what our software does. Uh, we, we like to say it does it a little smarter, uh, but we also provide tools to kind of, instead of optimize one shipment at a time, we're looking across all your shipments and kind of helping you evaluate SOPs and, and packaging selection. Yeah, that's 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 a daunting task. Uh, you know, I came from LTL and I know a lot it is both all modes of transportation uh, can be impacted by packaging strategies here. Uh, so tell us a little bit about why shippers and retailers uh, are shifting their focus to optimizing packaging now. Sure. Um, well, there's there's really a few reasons. I think one, and as I was kind of looking up the latest numbers on this, I was kind of struck by the fact that there's not a ton of reporting at the moment on kind of 
the makeup of consumers this year. Um, but it found some striking numbers. Gen Z, I guess, is the the first headline. Um, they thirty two percent of them uh, shop online every day, uh, compared to twenty five percent of millennials. Are you guys millennials? We're mill- I'm a millennial. Are you I'm, on the tail? I, I'm on the tail end. I, I, it okay. Depends on who you ask. Honorary Gen X. I'm sort of at the <laughs> at very edge of Gen X millennial. <laughs> Got it. Got it. I'm an elder millennial. Um, and even 20, 25% uh, shopping every day. It sounds exhausting to me, but um, <laughs> compared to, you know, 7% of boomers. But point point being, this is not like, you know, Gen Z is not like, oh, those kids, eventually they'll start buying stuff. The oldest Gen Zer is 26 years old. So they're, they're well on their way to kind of becoming a, a core part of the consumer landscape. Now, what makes that important is that 72% of them think that companies should be held accountable for waste, uh, an environmental footprint, and they're willing to make changes uh, to make their footprint less. Um, so that's pretty striking. And we see it, you know, anecdotally, we see it where uh, a, a lot of these brands are looking at packing efficiency, not just because of the cost savings opportunity that might be there, um, but because their customers are demanding it. Um, the post-purchase experience is now a, a little bit more complicated than, you know, a promise date and, uh, you know, nice to look at tracking information. Um, when when Gen Z and, and certainly a, a big degree of uh, millennials get a poorly packed box, they're not just kind of grumbling quietly. They're making TikTok videos and kind of naming and shaming. And this eventually makes its way to the C-suite at a lot of these brands. And that's kind of where the momentum seems to be coming from. So, Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, I'm finding this this breakdown and this kind of motivation for for tackling this problem to be pretty fascinating. Well, it feels to me like the buying experience as well. Uh, you're you know millennials. We were at the very beginning of this e-commerce, uh, and then as uh, Gen Z and now Gen Alpha is being fully absorbed and living in this packaging is one of those things that we're sleeping on because there's two opportunities. I feel like one thing I touched upon. I got to talk to you back in July. Is not only is it important how you package and load it, the the efficiency, so you're not wasting space and paying more, but also the potential to set yourself apart like a specific skew and have that information there to show that you're doing it in a green way and having a better experience on the on the back end. Yeah, the skew. Absolutely. Mix, uh, yeah. I mean, in the, in the skews, I think people, you know, different products, uh, you know, make the packaging process a little bit more daunting, <laughs> uh, especially when we're talking about retail freight, which has dimensions all over the place. Coming from LTL myself, uh, the hardest thing to do was to figure out how to figure out the load factor on a truck where you had multiple skews all over it. So, um, you know, how can retailers with 
you know, multiple SKUs actually work through this and maintain some accurate data? Yeah, um, there's some challenges associated with it. Um, when we started Paccurate, it seemed like nobody had dimensional data, <laughs> um, and it was a, a sad time. Um, in recent years, it's completely different. So, you know, most of the you know big kind of household name brands have made the effort. Um, they put systems in place, not just for capturing these dimensions and the weights of all their SKUs, but figuring out how to maintain them and keep track of them. Um, it's funny, the, you know, the item master is usually what it's called, where right. all the SKU data is <laughs> kept. This is, you know, over the years learning that this is, um, especially at larger organizations, kind of weirdly a hot potato. Like nobody knows who owns it or who's allowed to touch it. Um, so, you know, watching shippers kind of work through that and, and try to figure, okay, how do we use this instead of just keep it as this kind of sacred thing that nobody's allowed to manipulate? Yeah, and it sits um, in some sort of archaic structure in the background that hasn't <laughs> been touched either. <laughs> exactly. Um, for In terms of collecting them, um, we partner with a company called Cubiscan. I think they're they're pretty well known, but they're, they've got a lot of different solutions for dimensioning freight, and they've got cool stuff for wrapping pallets now at the same time. The, the model that's probably most relevant to our use case, which is putting stuff in boxes, is the uh, Cubiscan 325. I don't know if you've ever played with one of those at a trade show or something, but um, they're, they're quite cool. Um, they make it really easy to just kind of like a, you know, like a scanner. You just yeah. move the handle over the top and it really accurately dimensionalizes. I think they use a stuffed bunny sometimes at trade shows to show off how accurate it is. Yeah, that stuff's crazy. The the W&I processes that we used to have to deal with. I would have loved, like back in the day when I was in the real world, as I call it, uh, <laughs> the, if we'd have had some some sort of toy like that, I'd have been out there constantly on the dock <laughs> dimensioning things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing what technology can do uh, nowadays. And, and, you know, especially when you're talking about like moving goods, like finding those inefficiencies in the transportation and packing process. I think most of the time people look at like truckload, you know, yeah. it's, it's very truckload. The dimensions don't change, but there's a lot of space. That space inside of that truck can be very expensive. So if you don't get, you know, accurate information around what's going on inside the vehicle, what's available to you, et cetera, and how you can kind of position your products together, it almost makes a shipper or a retailer uh, kind of, uh, a transportation like process manager in a way. Yeah, and you got to think, imagine with good package and cartonization mm -hmm. policies, one thing that I'd be worried about if I'm a full truckload carrier is it's very wasteful and inefficient. Yeah. You can only fit so many pallets, you got all that open space. Mm -hmm. And so this tech that you all have and the processes you're working on is super fascinating because it does feel like with generational buying patterns, the future is this small niche e-commerce, small, I was hearing about uh, airdrop shipments for Air Jordan, small amounts yeah. of shoes and it's very limited releases. So this is super fascinating stuff that y'all are working on. And uh, when we're looking at the sustainability aspect as well uh you know is this a situation where it has to be different or is this sustainability something that we can package in when we're selling the c-suite and just say look it's just operational efficiency by another term but it happens to give us more from it if we add this extra dimension yeah i you know a lot of times when i'm talking to shippers i'll of course you know try to extol the value of the technology that we've built but um, I also just try to explain that this is a special problem, uh, packing efficiency and making sure you have the right boxes, um, because your sustainability and your costs are extremely tightly correlated. Um, basically, every cost center, whether it's the packaging or you know how much space you're taking up, um, 
they're they're the same thing. You're paying to basically uh, emit. Um, so whether the organization is more motivated by uh, hitting some green targets, great. Here's a here's an initiative where you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. Um, uh, if you're more in the cost savings mode, which uh, you alluded to at the top of the show, um, then great. Now you can you, you can also uh, track the sustainability metrics that come along with it, and and not to betray my kind of nerdiness for the subject, but if you if you're focusing on the the carton level first, with the economies of scale we're usually dealing with, it kind of acts like a liquid. Mm-hmm. So all that space savings kind of bubbles up through fewer pallets and then fewer truckloads, and you can kind of draw a line. Uh, from from the carton level all the way to the amount of trucks that you're going to use, um, so that uh, that's that's kind of what we get excited about. Yeah, no, I, I love it because a lot of times we see people, and and and, and I want to ask you this question uh, about when you're talking to some of your your customers or potential customers, are they are they alarmed at the amount of inefficiency that's available for them to kind of you know address here in terms of available space that they can find? Yeah, there are some. <laughs> There's some awkward uh, conversations sometimes. Um, I think I think partially because we as humans are like generally kind of bad. I mean, us too. We're generally bad at understanding, looking at, and understanding three dimensional space. Right. Um, I, I was I, if I can remember the the numbers. There was a survey of ecom executives that thought that their packages were twenty five percent air, and that was the opportunity. Um, but then when they actually went and looked on average there was like 57 and then up to 65% error in some product categories like households. Um, so there's a certain amount of like easing into realizing the scope of, of the opportunity. And we try to call it an opportunity and not kind of a rolling disaster that may be unfolding. I can imagine they're just hoping it manages a ship. That's what it feels like coming from transportation. A lot of these execs are probably like, oh, thankfully somebody picked it up. And then later that framing, when you realize... Oh, I could have done this with less. Well, the devil's in the details <laughs> in this situation. And I think, you know, back in the day, like technology made it really hard to identify this type of problem um, or this type of opportunity, I should call it, because it wasn't a problem until it's a problem. <laughs> and and I think this environment, uh, you know, in America, we kind of don't know what we don't know, you know, until it becomes an issue, a greater issue. And with the advent of e-commerce and all of these boxes, I mean, I, I myself, I mean, I'm not Gen Z, but we do probably buy more stuff online than we do at stores at this point in time. And we have boxes and boxes that just pile up. I mean, my wife would kill me, but yes, she 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 tends to have several boxes that I get to open under my name, uh, generally waiting every week. Um, and then what do we do with it? You know, we have to recycle it and they're these huge cumbersome pieces. So, I mean, identifying, I think on the front end of that, there is so much potential savings in terms of not just the environment, which is obviously a great benefit, uh, you know, that's been a little bit politicized, but it's also something that we should all be thinking about, but costs (laughs) on the front end. So, James, I want to ask you one last question here uh, before we, we move forward, but what other considerations should retailers keep in mind to address sustainability goals? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, materials uh, tends to get a lot of attention um, in terms of, you know, thankfully we're not seeing styrofoam packing peanuts anymore that fly all over your house when you open the boxes. Um, Some of these greener options are actually excellent, um, Mm -hmm. but they still kind of come with a premium. Um, So I guess, you know, like I said before, focusing on packing efficiency, making sure you have the right size boxes. It's a great thing to do in parallel to kind of pay for whatever initiatives you have for material. Um, And then, you know, some of the bigger shippers we talked to they're actually, you know, gearing up for the SEC starting to require scope three emissions reporting. Right. Um, and transportation is 70% of most shippers scope three emissions. So this is a, uh, if it's, if it's not on the radar now, uh, it soon will be. Yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, we've talked about it here a lot and in some of our other outlets about, you know, it's coming. The yeah. environmental stuff's coming, whether you want it to be there or not, the government influence is there. Uh, it's kind of, pushing us in that direction so it's gonna be fun to watch because i know that if you're a large multinational corporation that does extensive packaging even at a country by country basis you may need to change your skews because some countries like the prepackaged stuff because it's a sign of safeness that was my my last my far out question for you is this something that uh for applications only in the u.s but internationally uh, i can only imagine is, is this where we need to start looking at packaging and maybe when we're thinking of SKUs, have some kind of unified thing. So we may see some kind of cross-blending because I know that if you go across the ocean to other locations, they're doing a lot more packaging of certain items versus maybe in the U.S. where we're just using one package and having multiple things in it. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing some trends carry over here. Um, Something that uh, kind of started at the same time in the U.S. and uh, overseas where the fast mover SKUs, kind of like the the flagship SKUs that a brand might have, they have custom cutout packaging. Um, so that not only makes the box more efficient, you can fit more on a pallet, but it also makes for a great you know, opening, b- unboxing experience. Um, and then you'll always have you know, accessories, even if you're just kind of a hot D2C brand with a, with a flagship SKU. So I think there's, there's not going to be like a one-size-fits-all <laughs> kind of solution, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but definitely, as, as a lot of the regulations that are, you know, seem like they're coming here in the next year or two. Um, they're all modeled very heavily over on on what's going on in the EU. So um, we're definitely keeping a close eye on that. Having just come back from Italy, I can I can say that the EU is a little bit more down the line uh, versus America in <laughs> yeah. terms of their sustainable practices. Well, thank you so much, James, for joining us today. And thank you for the insights. Any last uh, words? Where can people reach out, find you? I know we've said it before, but remind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can visit Pacurate.io and there's a little chat button. You will talk to somebody on our team um, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I love talking about this stuff. So 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, James. And uh, be sure to reach out to him. And he mentioned a company called Cubiscan. And I, I, I love this technology. Again, I came from LTL, but uh, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention them, this dimensioning technology that is that is coming up so quickly. Like we used to, I mean, we were out there with measuring tapes yeah. <laughs> and things like that. And these scales that were archaic. I mean, just having some of these things. Uh, but uh, Cubiscan, we provide dimensioning, weighing and integrated systems that increase efficiency and profitability. A WMS, ERP, TMS or IMS is only as good as the data that powers it. We help you collect accurate product, parcel and pallet data that you can use to power the software systems with in your warehouses, distribution centers, and cross stocks. So, I mean, it all kind of works together. You know, he, I, I think it's interesting they partner with a, a company like this uh, in terms of like identifying some of these inefficiencies that are on a truck that people just don't think about. Yeah, you get so caught up. You get so lost in the sauce operationally that you mm -hmm. can forget easily. And I love the applications because we're going to start seeing, this is just the beginning, LiDAR applications for making sure that we're scanning dimensions in space. It, it's kind of a new frontier. We're going from analog to digital. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these folks are at the very front end of it. This is going to be a great development well, to watch. And, and FedEx UPS just announced GRIs, you know, last Here week. Here it comes, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mark, Mark Solomon just hey, yeah. talked about GRIs. <laughs> Uh, you know, one of the things I think people have been, and I've talked to several people lately about how they're expecting cost reductions in transportation. Parcel's not in that same boat. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's interesting the, you know, the policy that they're going to implement potential rate increases right around peak volumes. Uh, some of the holidays they are talking about Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, not just Christmas and Thanksgiving, uh, not just retail peaks. Uh, type situations. And, you know, it, that that actually probably has a bigger impact on overall spend in a lot of retailer cases than some of the bigger trucks. It's a constant squeeze. You really got to watch out because we are starting to see startups attacking at the heels. We're seeing folks that are trying to do uh, combinations, look at like smart cargos and a few others that are trying to come up with novel ways. USPS, Postal Service did not do an right. increase. So I wonder as well, how much overflow will it be where customers, because uh, even Amazon, UPS and FedEx, there's a little bit of switching around. And sometimes uh, Amazon will get USPS to do last mile or final mile. Mm -hmm. It's very fascinating to watch this development because it feels as though I know that they have higher costs. I know we're going through this higher cost period, but how long can you get away with this before you may potentially put yourself in danger from competitors slowly gaining market share because it is squeezing folks? Yeah, for sure. And and I know, uh, you know, I want to cover one last story here uh, that I think is relevant. I talked about the demand side indicators showing some pretty positive things for trucking overall. And I want to get your take on it because uh, ACT just came out with their report saying that for hire trucking sees green shoot in August. So they're seeing similar things here. It's not necessarily manifesting into a tighter market necessarily. It is more just saying that things look like they're turning. We have, we've kind of floored out for, for a period of time. What do you think? Is, do you think this is a head fake or you think we got... Uh, given the how long it has been, mm -hmm. I do think uh, if you look in the cycle, ACT does talk mm -hmm. about where we are in a typical mm -hmm. cycle, it's like 20 to 28 months. So we're kind of in the money right now. Uh, two things that stuck out. One, I do believe we reached a bottom, but we're just rolling on the bottom, which is progress because it's not following. Two, driver availability. They have an index on how mm -hmm. easily it is to get drivers. We always forget about that. Right now, it is real easy to get drivers right as you can't get freight for them. <laughs> so the, this stuff to me does tell me that we should see some improvement at least probably by early 2024 is what mm -hmm. the consensus says. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to make a call just yet because I'm waiting on the data. Mm -hmm. uh, by the time I'll know, it's going to be like a few weeks out. That's how this industry works. But at least we're getting faster at predicting it. 
Yeah, I, I think I think you're right to an extent. I, I don't think this demand is sustainable, uh, but I do think capacity is reducing fast enough to where it is eventually going to run right into it. Supply demand curve right there. And I Always. think early, I think <laughs> we're going to see that in Q2 probably next. I'd say Q2 because we one thing we know is there's too much trucks. One thing that's hard to predict is when does the balance scale tip? And given all the information, that's what we're having to feel out. Yeah, we know one thing's for sure. This will not last forever. <laughs> True. It'll get better one day. <laughs> yeah. Hang in there. All right. Y'all have a great week.